podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 8th of August. I hope you're all well. I hope you all had a nice weekend. I wasn't here yesterday because yesterday was a bank holiday, which apparently I'd forgotten on Friday when I told you I'd see you all on Monday. But uh, it was nice to have the bank holiday, you know? Nice to have a surprise bank holiday, as it was in my case. Over the weekend, I don't think I missed a whole lot of much. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles made a move to Leon on a free. I think that's a good move for him. Uh, Christos Solis has left Norwich on loan to join Fortuna Dusseldorf. A little bit disappointed. Thought he might get some run in the championship this year. 
Um, Goncalo Ramos has joined PSG on loan with an obligation to buy from Benfica, uh, about 80 million euro. Pretty good deal for Benfica. Good deal for PSG. I think he's a really good player, but you know, to get 80 million for a player that can through your academy is always uh, very positive. Um, what else do we have that took place? Uh, today, we've had confirmation of Tino Livramento joining Newcastle from Southampton. 32 million plus eight in add-ons. I think it's a good fee uh, for both sides, really. I'm a big fan of Livermanto. I am worried about the knee, but I, I think he'll I think he'll be okay. And Spurs completing the signing of Mickey Van de Veen. So he joins James Madison as their second new arrival. Obviously, they've made the Pedro Poro and uh, Dejan Kulisewski deals permanent as well. The big question over Spurs now is is what happens with Harry Kane. Uh, I think they should sell him. I think it's insanity not to have sold him already and gone and sorted a replacement. But I, I wonder if they're looking at the situation thinking, well, look, if he goes, Richarlison will become our nine in the short term and we'll figure it out. I still think the best thing they could do is sign Ivan Tony, and I know they'd have to wait six months for him. But I think Ivan Tony's outstanding. So uh, all things considered, I like the Van Deveen move. I, I would like it better if they were playing a back three. But I think him and Romero could be a very interesting two-man partnership. My big worry with Spurs is all of their fullbacks are wingbacks. Pedro Poro, Jed Spence, Destiny Adoiji, Ryan Sessegnon, Perisic when he plays there, uh, Regulon, who I assume will leave. They're all better as wingbacks and fullbacks, but we'll see what happens. Um, not a whole lot else. Oh, West Ham uh, completed their, or continued their bizarre summer, selling Gianluca Scamacca to Atalanta at a fairly considerable loss from what they paid last year. I believe they're losing about 10 million, all because David Moyes has gone full dinosaur. I told you they should have got rid of him. I I think they're going to regret that move. I really do. Atalanta have had a great window so far. They sold uh, Hoysland to United. That deal's being confirmed at a massively inflated fee. Massively inflated fee. And they've signed Skamaka, Charles de Ketelier, who had a disappointing year with Milan. He's joining on loan with an option to buy. And El Bilal Toure from Almeria, who's very exciting. And they're making a profit. They signed three really, really good players. Skamaka alone is an upgrade on Hoysland at this stage, without question. And they're making a profit. They also sold... Uh, Jeremy Bogan. Now, I don't like the Klasnik deal, but he's a free, so who cares? Um, Mitchell Backer is not a bad pickup for 10 million. Adelante have had a really good window. Uh, other deals that went through Hoysland to United got confirmed on Friday. Ashley Phillips from Blackburn to Spurs for 2 million. I really like that deal. I think he's got huge potential. I wanted him at Liverpool. Uh, Josco Gvardiol to Manchester City for 77 million was also confirmed the second most expensive defender in history behind Harry Maguire. Um, interesting championship move, Sam Byram going back to Leeds on a free where it all began from. 
Uh, Joe Taylor, Luton to Colchester. That's not really all that interesting. Uh, Harrison Ashby going out on loan from Newcastle to Swansea. James McLean going from Wigan to Wrexham. Won't matter to most people, matters to me. Uh, I really like the Coventry signing of USA International, Hadji Wright. I think that's a, a clever move by them. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go from Liverpool to Wolves and have a look at what they still need to do with just over three three weeks left in the transfer window. So goalkeeper-wise, Liverpool are set as things stand. You've got Alisson, you've got Kelleher, you've got Pitaluga, you've got Yaros, and then you've got Adrian if all else fails. So they're good. In defence, now, look, I'm aware they can't do all of this this summer. So they they need to upgrade on Joe Gomez and Joel Matip. Those things are not happening in this window. So we can leave them to one side. They absolutely need a starting left-side centre-back to go with Vir- Virgil van Dijk and Ibu Kanate in that back three. Andy Robertson is a fish out of water in that system. So... That's something they need to do. That's the first absolute, is a left-footed, left-side centre-back who can also play left-back in uh, back four. Because when Liverpool are defending, they largely still defend in the back four. The issue for them is they're getting counter-attacked in a back three, and Andy Robertson is stood thinking he's a left-winger. So they need to bring in somebody. Mickey van der Veen would have been ideal, but, you know, it is what it is. Um... There is an argument that they could do with upgrading on Trent, or not upgrading, but uh, finding a good backup for Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think Stefan Basetic can play that role. Um, I think he'd be comfortable enough to defend at right back, and he can definitely do that hybrid role. So I don't think that's a necessity this summer, but next summer it probably is something I'd be looking at. Um, They very clearly need a starting defensive midfielder because they don't have any defensive midfielders. So they need a starting one and they need a squad defensive midfielder. So two defensive midfielders needed. Ideally, that secondary one can be someone that can play as both uh, a sitting midfielder and potentially a number eight, like a defensive number eight. Um, It does look like the Romeo Lavia deal will get done, hopefully this week. After that, Manu Kone would be ideal. I know he's out injured at the moment, but he'll be back in September. I think you could go and get him. Um, the left side centre back role, Arta Tiete of Ren does stand out to me as someone that would make a lot of sense. He's not as tall as Klopp normally likes his centre backs to be, but the two big tall options, well, there's actually three of them. One of them is Neif Egard of West Ham. He has a history of ankle problems. So I don't know that you can go for him. The other option is Nico Schlotterbeck of Borussia Dortmund. He's got a history of muscular injuries. And the third one is a player that I just don't know if he's ready. It's not that I don't think he's got huge potential, but Sternia Pavlovich of um, Red Bull Salzburg is hugely talented, but he just doesn't have he doesn't have a track record at a, a top league. Now, size wise, he works. Skill set wise, he works. He's not necessarily as quick as I would like, but he isn't slow. 
Um, things didn't work out from at Monaco, but he had a couple of good loans out of that Monaco move. He's been really good for Salzburg since joining last summer. I wonder if they might look at him. I do think he'd make a lot of sense, but he hasn't played a huge amount of football at, at a high level. That That's my concern. That is my concern with him. Um, but I mean, profile-wise, size-wise, skill set, he's so dominant in the air as well. Those type of things would, would absolutely work for me. So I think it's one that's definitely worthy of some consideration. Um, Liverpool are, are absolutely set with the number eights. You've got Zabozlai, you've got McAllister, you've got Jones, you've got Thiago, and you've got Harvey Elliott. So you don't need to do anything there. And in attack, they're loaded. You've got Diaz, Nunes, Salah, Gakpo, Jota, Elliott, Bendo, Kate Gordon. You don't need to do anything else. Left-footed centre-back, two ball-winning midfielders. That's what Liverpool need, and they need to start working on it quickly. They need to get Lavia in now. They need to start working on the the centre-back next, and then that other midfielder. There's no excuse not to get this done. Uh, We'll move on to Luton. Um, They signed Kaminsky to be their new goalkeeper, I haven't seen huge amounts of them, but I know people that watched a lot of Blackburn were, were quite impressed. So, fair enough. Defensively, they signed Issa Kabor and they signed Ryan Giles. I, I still think they need at least two centre-backs. At least two. Tom Lockyer, I assume, will start. I think they need to get the guys to go either side of him. Um... They've brought in Marvellous Nakamba. They've got a lot of hard-working midfielders. I would still say they need to bring in at least one more in midfield. And up front, I would probably want at least one more. I quite like Carlton Morris. I think he's a good player. Uh, Woodrow looks a decent player. Adebayo is a decent player. But I, I would like, I would like someone that I know is going to get me some goals. I don't know that any of these players can get me goals. I have concerns about where Luton stand at this point. But what they're doing for certain is they're building a team that if they get relegated, they'll be in a really strong position to come back up. They're not overspending. The players they've bought are all proven championship operators. And I think if they go down, they will be well positioned to come back up. So there is merit in that. Uh, Manchester City, the second goal, with the addition of Guardiol, they're set at the back. It looks like Kyle Walker will sign a new contract. You could argue they need a right winger, but you've got Bernardo, you've got Foden, and you've got Cole Palmer, who can all play there, so... And Julian Alvarez could do a job there for you. So I think they're probably okay. And they've got Haaland and Alvarez up front. City are probably fine. City probably don't need to do anything else. Um, I, I would say they're probably going to be okay. I don't think they need to do a whole lot of much. Um, 
They've made some interesting loans again this year. Callum Doyle to Leicester, Liam Delap to Hull, uh, Issa Kabure. Th- these are players that could. Now, Callum Doyle probably doesn't have a future at City because they've got Aki and now Gvardiol as a left-footed centre-back. But Callum Doyle is a player I expect to be a long-time Premier League footballer. Um, I would imagine there's a couple of sales to come. Canseo, they don't want him anymore. So I'm guessing he goes. I'm guessing Americ Laporte will go. Um, outside of that, maybe Je- James McAtee goes on loan. And, and possibly Tommy Doyle as well. Though I think they'll keep one of them. Both hugely talented. See, Maximo Perone is going to have to get more minutes this year because he arrived in January, didn't get a whole lot of game time, but he's super talented as well and plays in that central midfield role. Um, I wonder if Tommy Doyle might be the one that gets kind of squeezed out. There'll definitely be clubs very, very interested in bringing him in. I'm shocked Sheffield United haven't gone back in to see if they could have him back on loan because him and McAtee were brilliant for them last year. But with yeah, with City, I think it's maybe just a matter of trimming down rather than adding anything else. Uh, Manchester United. Um, I don't particularly like what they've done this summer, if I'm honest. I'm not a fan of, of Onana. I think he's got some good attributes on the ball, but he's a below average shot stopper and he's horrendous on crosses. And if you saw him getting chipped from 45 yards, that won't be the last time that happens either. Uh, defensively, so it does look like Maguire might actually go, which will mean they will need a centre-back, because I think Eric Bailly probably leaves as well. So you've got Varane, you've got Martinez, you've got, um, who am I forgetting, Lindelof. I think you probably need to bring in one in the middle. Left-back to fine, Shaw, Malasia, it'll do. I wouldn't be overly keen on what they've got at right back. Delo had a decent season last year, but I mean, how long has he been at United? Uh, he signed in 2018. So five years, he's had one good season. You've given him a new contract. Doesn't seem ideal. The other right back option is Juan Bissaka, who was decent for the back half of last season, but prior to that was genuinely horrendous so uh, I'm not sure what you think you're going to get out of him now he's got really good attributes defensively obviously great pace very good 1v1 but he doesn't have a lot of awareness and he's got poor um, poor anticipation poor positioning if I was at United I'd be looking for a right back without question so I think right back a starting right back a backup centre back I would have preferred a different partner for Casemiro in midfield than Mason Mount, who's had a shocker of a preseason. Doesn't suit the role they're trying to force him into. Uh, it looks like they'll bring in Amrabat, which will solve the backup to Casemiro problem. But I, I still think the partner's a problem, but they have signed Mount. They do obviously still have Fred and McTominay and Ericsson and perhaps... Perhaps those players um, get kept and, and just muddled through. Some of them might leave. 
I don't I don't imagine there'll be many more signings after Amrabat though. Um right wing you've got Anthony and Ahmad Diallo. I think Diallo's hugely talented. I'm not a big fan of Anthony. Left wing you've got Rashford and Garnacho. I think both are great. In the 10 spot, you'll have Bruno, Mount can play there, and Sancho can play there, and obviously Sancho can play either wing. So I think they're loaded in that regard. And Mount can also play left wing. So Mount works as a squad player for them. I just don't like him as a starter in this team. And up front now, you'll have Hoysland. You will have Martial, who remains at the club for reasons known only to the manager. Uh, Kobe Manu, Manu, the young player that played in the summer, he might get a couple of games. Um, centre back and right back, and I think they've messed up what they should have done in midfield, but it, there's something forming. I don't know if it's much, but there's something forming. The really interesting thing now is to see what they do at Mason Greenwood. It is looking like they're edging towards bringing him back, which is just really distasteful. He might not have been prosecuted for what he did. Everybody saw and heard what he did. And that's not somebody you want around your club. If United have any sense, they release him on a free this summer, pay him to go away, and he goes and has a career anywhere else. Um, I wonder what they're going to do in terms of a backup goalkeeper. Because... It looks like Dean Henderson is going to go. Looks like he might go to Forest. So they could do with, with a backup goalkeeper. They were trying to sign uh, Suzuki, the Japanese keeper. He's turned them down, didn't want to join and be a backup. So I think that's probably the last thing they'll do after they get Amrabat. I think they'll probably look to bring in a backup goalkeeper. Uh, on to the tune. Goalkeeper, they're set. No issues with what they've got in goal at all. Nick Pope, Dubravka, and Loris Karius all there. Um, right back, you've got Trippier. Now you've got Livermento, so you've boxed off that need. I wouldn't be a huge fan of what they've got at left back in terms of... Um, Dan Byrne and Matt Target, but it's probably enough to get through this season. They do also have Mankio and Kraft that can play both sides. Now, my expectation is at least one of them will leave before the window closes. Probably Mankio, because Kraft can also play centre-back, which gives him an advantage. You've got Shar, you've got Botman. I would have been looking to upgrade on Shar and push him into a backup role. I would have been looking for a left-back to move Dan Byrne into a backup centre-back role and have Target as the backup left-back. So I don't think they've addressed those two needs, but this is a long-term build, so next summer will we'll probably be okay. And you can't do everything at once. Um, in midfield, you've got Jolinton, you've got Tonali, you've got Gimerish, you've got... Willock, you've got Longstaff, you've got Elliot Anderson. I think they're pretty good in midfield. I don't think they need to do much else in this window. Up front, you've got Isak, you've got Wilson. So you're fine through the middle. You have Harvey Barnes, who I I really like. Um, 
Elliot Anderson can play wide. You've obviously got Miguel Almiron. You've got Jacob Murphy. I, I would like one more wide player. That's what I would do if I was them in the remainder of the window. Now, they might not do anything else. They've brought in Tonali, Barnes, and Livermento and spent quite a bit of money on it. They did receive good money for St. Maximum, and they got the Chris Wood money. If there's any money left, I'd be looking for one more wide player, uh, a creative player. Obviously, a left footer to play on the right side. If they could somehow afford Michael Elise, that's the move. That's the move I would do if I was them. I would go all in on Michael Elise because he gives you an elite creator, which I don't think you have. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tuner are fairly well set up for the, the season to come. Uh, on to Nottingham Forest. Uh, apologies to those that saw an article on the EPL Index website entitled Knott's Forest. Um, I have I have let it be known that that's not an acceptable uh, terming for Nottingham Forest. Anyway, they they need two goalkeepers. They lost Henderson and they lost... Why can't I ever remember this guy's name? He won a uh, Kaylor Navas. I think it looks like Henderson will come back and Matt Turner, the young, uh, not young, the American goalkeeper from Arsenal. Uh, it looks like he's on his way as well. Apparently he's had a medical today. He is swapping Arsenal's bench for Forest bench, which is a little bit strange, but I assume Dean Henderson gets done before the window closes. Um, You've got Nico Williams and you've got Serge Aurier and you've got Drager and you've got Ola Aina who can all play right back. Aina can also play left back. Aina can also play in a back three. Uh, left back, you've only got Omar Richards and Harry Tofolo who's facing a ban. So I would have been looking for a left back. I think they've got to address that. I think they need one more in centre back as well. Roger Ibanez looked like he might happen. Then his agent came out and said his heart belonged in Rome. And now he's on his way to Saudi Arabia. So uh, who knows what to make of any of that. Uh, They definitely need a centre-back. Left-back and centre-back. Plus, if we take it that the Turner deal is done, they need another goalkeeper. So there's three. I would like one more in midfield. I really would. I think... Mangala, Koyate, Lewis O'Brien, Ryan Wright, Yates, Remy Froiler, they're all really good squad players. But I think if you're going to go with Gibbs White and Danilo, you need a a big, strong number six. They were linked to Ibrahim Sanger. That move seemed to just go quiet. That's what they need to address, is that role, that, that holding role. Um... They've also got Gustavo Scarpa, who's a very good player as well. Good backup to have for Gibbs White. In attack, you've got a 1E and Wood as your nines. You've got Brennan Johnson, Anthony Alanga, and Emmanuel Dennis as your wide players. I wouldn't let any of them leave. I would keep that group together. I wouldn't be a big fan of Chris Wood, but look, as a backup off the bench, it's fine. I would say they still need four players. Goalkeeper, centre-back, left-back, and one in midfield. A ball winner in midfield. Uh, they haven't spent a lot of money this window. They spent, I think, 17 or 15 on Alanga. The, the 12 on Wood they'd already accounted for. Uh, other than that, they haven't done a whole lot. I, I think they need four more. I think they need four more. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday. They need a goalkeeper. 
They need at least one more centre-back. They signed Alston Trusty, who's decent, but they need one more. Uh, I think they need at least one full-back. Now, I would say they need a right-back more than a left-back, a right-wing-back, ideally, uh, because Jaden Bogle's never really been given an opportunity there and hasn't progressed the way I thought he would when he was leaving Derby. Uh, it's a shame, but it is what it is. So I think right-wing-back, centre-back, goalkeeper... Uh, Sander Burge, it looks like he's going to leave and go to Burnley. So they're losing two of their three best players in this window because Illaman and Jai is already gone. So they're going to need two in midfield. And I think they need another one up front. So goalkeeper, centre-back, right-back, two in midfield, one up front. They need six players. They need six players in three weeks and they've only signed three players so far. They're not even setting themselves up to be strong if they get relegated because the majority of their players are out of contract next summer. Go through the, their squad. Davies, Fotheringham, Dewurst, and Amazé. They're their four goalkeepers all out of contract next summer. Defenders. Baldock, Lowe, Basham, Egan, Bogle, Norrington, Davies, Bayuba, and Sajdev. All out of contract next summer. Yasser Larouche is only in on loan. Ahmed Hodzic has two years left. Jack Robinson has just signed a new deal. So he's got this year and next year. Uh, Ahmed Hodzic has three years left, including this coming summer, coming season. And obviously Austin Trusty just signed. Now, obviously they can work on contracts during the year, but it is, it's very, very strange that so many of their players are out of contract at the same time. Uh, in midfield, John Fleck, Sander Burge, Oliver Norwood, Ishmael Koulibaly, Ben Osborne and Andre Brooks all at a contract next summer. Anis Sleman, who they signed this summer, has a three-year deal. He's the only midfielder who's on the books beyond next year. Up front, Ollie McBurney, William Asula and Daniel Jebison all at a contract next year. How has Jebison been allowed to get into the last 12 months? Huge young talent like that. Uh, Benny Traore they signed this year on a four-year deal and Ream Brewster has two years left. And that's it. One, two, three, four, five, six players. Six players whose contracts don't expire next year. Three of them were signed in this window. That is ludicrous. But they need six in between now and the end of the window. Uh, Moving on to Tottenham Hotspur. They need to get a, a new home for Hugo Lloris. Having him around the club is just is a bad look for everybody. Uh, you've signed your new goalkeeper in Viserio. We'll wait and see how he does. I don't know a huge amount about him. I know he had a really good year last year. And I was impressed a few games I saw, but it remains to be seen. It's a big step up. Fraser Forster is fine as a backup. Brandon Austin and Alfie Whiteman are fine as depth. Um, I think they need another centre-back. <laughs> but I think they should play a back three. If they're playing a back four, they're probably okay. Defensively, they're probably okay. You've got a bunch of right backs, a bunch of left backs, a load of centre backs. You need to trim down the numbers. Davinson Sanchez could go. Emerson Royale could potentially go. Uh, Sergio Regulon should go. I would look to sell Eric Dyer as well. Um but aside from that, I'd keep the rest. I'd be interested to see if Joe Roden gets many opportunities this year. 
In midfield, <clears throat> it looks like Hoysberg could go, which is okay. You've got Basuma, uh, and you've got Skip in that holding role. You've got Bentoncourt to come back from his ACL tear. I think Basuma and Bentoncourt is absolutely the play in terms of central midfielders to go with. Um, you've got Lacelso still at the club. You've got Papa Matar Sar still at the club. And you've got Harvey White and James Madison. I think there's I think they're fine in midfield, even if Hoysberg and Endembele go. If Lacelso goes, you might want to add one more for a bit of depth. Up front, I would be keeping Brian Hill as backup to Kulaseski. You've got Hyungman Son and Manor Solomon for the left. And Kane and Richarlison to the middle. I, if, if Kane stays, that's fine. But if he stays, you're losing him for free next summer. That's a big risk. Big, big risk. I'd be selling Kane, personally. Purely because I don't think Spurs can afford the hit of losing him for free. So I think a striker is going to be what's needed. Sell Kane, buy a striker. They've they've got the young Argentine forward coming in as well. Um, What is his name? Oh, Alejo Velas. Uh, Alejo Velas. He is due to come in this week as well. He's very young. He's very talented. Is he ready to play? No, but it's a a good long-term move. Um, sell Kane by a ready-made striker even if it's Ivan Tony, you have to wait six months for him uh, moving on to West Ham United what a mess what a mess of a club they are this summer so obviously they've sold Declan Rice they've now still sold Skimaka and Masuaku they've brought in about 135 million in the window so they should have plenty of money to spend um, they're fine in goal as long as Ariola is first choice. They're fine in goal. If it's still Fabianski, Moyes Moyes needs to go regardless. But if it's still Fabianski, sack Moyes after the first game. Um, I think they need a right back. I like Ben Johnson. I would sell Sufal. I would. I, I think he's past his best. Um, but I, I would want a right back. But if Sufal stays, they're probably okay. They desperately. And I do mean desperately need a left back. Aaron Cresswell is not the answer to any question and neither is Emerson Palmieri. In the middle, you've got Zuma and Agard. You've got Carrer and Ogbonna. I think that's pretty good. Um, you've also got Luzao, the young Brazilian centre-back that they signed who I think should be ready for some minutes uh, this coming season. So they're fine at centre-back, but they definitely need a left-back. They definitely need two in midfield. They are screaming out for midfielders. Suchek is no longer good enough to start, and Flynn Downs, the squad player. You need two starting central midfielders. In the line behind the attack, you've got Cornet, Bowen, Fornals, Ben Rama, and Paqueta. I think you're good. I don't think you need to do anything else there. But you do now need a striker because you sold Skimaka. So 
left back, two in midfield and a striker. But it looks like they're pushing ahead to try and sign Harry Maguire, which I don't understand. Zuma is better than him. Agard is levels better than him. Maybe Moyes is planning to move to a back three. If he does that, then you'll need a left wing back. Although Palmieri is a bit more palatable as a left wing back than as a left back. You still need a couple in midfield. Like you still need a couple in midfield and you still need a striker. So either way, they need four in. And finally, we have Wolves. Um, what a strange summer. They made the Cunha deal permanent. They made a, the Bubakar Traore deal permanent. They signed Matt Doherty, re-signed Matt Doherty. Um, they sold Cody. They sold Jimenez. They sold Neves. And they sold Nathan Collins. They also lost Adama Traore on a free, Joe Moutinho on a free. Very, very strange. Um, Jose Saz, fine in goal. I wouldn't be keen on either of the backups, but it is what it is. Left back, you've got Aitnuri and Hugo Bueno. It seems like the manager prefers Bueno, which is weird. Aitnuri is clearly the better player. Uh, right back, you've got Semedo and you've got Darby. Same situation they had a few years ago. So I assume that's just them at right back. I wouldn't be keen, but it is what it is. Um, centre back, you've got Max Kilman and a whole bunch of question marks. Greg Dawson, for me, not a starter at this level anymore. Toti, fine as a backup, but not as a starter. You need a starting centre back. You definitely need a starting centre back. In midfield, I think they're actually okay. You've got Lamina, you've got Traore, you've got uh, Jordao. They're your ball winners. You've got young Joe Hodge, Joe Gomes, and Matthias Nunes as your midfielders who can be more progressive. Nunes can play wide if you need him to. You've got Neto, you've got Pedence, you've got Guedes. So you're, you're set in the wide areas. You've got Wang who can also play wide. You've got Cunha who can play wide if you need him to. And then you've got Fabio Silva and Sasa Kalasic. So I actually, I actually think in attack, they're good. In midfield, they're good. They need a centre-back, and they should have bought a better right-back. They should have bought a better right-back. But they, they have to go and sort out a centre-back before the window closes. Um, it's been rumoured that Pudence could leave. If he does, take whatever money you get and put it towards a centre-back and hope for the best. Uh, I think it could be a long season for them. Assuming Lopetegui stays the year, I think they'll be okay because I think he's really good. But it is going to be a tough season. There's no question about that. It is going to be a tough season for them. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have a little look at what's taking place in the Women's World Cup and we'll do the news and the the gossip. And uh, I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, Women's World Cup, the round of 16, is now completed. So, we can take a look at how things went. Uh, Switzerland 1, Spain 5. Bon Matti with 2, Redondo, Codina and Hermoso with the goals for Spain. Uh, Codina, Codina rather, also scored an own goal for the Swiss. Um, comprehensive. Very, very comprehensive. 
for Spain. 43,000 people in attendance, which is fantastic. Japan beat Norway 3-1. Engine scored an own goal. Uh, Shimizu and Miyazawa scored the other Japanese goals. Um, Guro Raiten scored the only goal for Norway. 33,000 at that game. Fair play. The Netherlands beat South Africa 2-0. Roard and Berenstein scoring the goals. 40,000 at that one in Sydney. And in the big shock of the round, we had Sweden knocking out the USA on penalties after a very, very boring 0-0 draw. Um, 5-4 on penalties, though both sides had seven players take penalties. Two missed for the Swedes and two missed for the United States, including Megan Rapinoe, who I assume will now retire from international football, um, given she's 35, 36 at this point. One of the all-time greats, without question, she's 38. So, yeah, I assume that will be her last um, involvement with the national team. England beat Nigeria 0-0. <laughs> they went through a penalties. Um a fairly boring game. Lauren James sent off for England after a fairly stupid stamp on a Nigerian player. England managed to overcome Stanway missing the first penalty. England, Daly, Greenwood and Kelly all scored. Nigeria missed their first two. Uh, Ajibade and Uchibi scored for the Nigerians, but they go out. Uh, Australia, the hosts, beat Denmark. Oh, 49,461 at that game in Brisbane, by the way. Australia beat Denmark 2-0. Ford and Russell scored 75,784 people in attendance at Stadium Australia in Sydney. Amazing. Absolutely amazing to see that type of support. Uh, Colombia beat Jamaica 1-0. Uzme with the only goal, 27,700 in attendance. And then France beat Morocco 4 0. Diani, Dali, and two from La Sommer, only 13,500 in attendance at Hindemarsh Stadium. But to be fair, it only holds 16,500. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, So the quarterfinals are set. It will be. Spain versus the Netherlands, which is probably the tie of the round. And Japan versus Sweden. And those games are in the New Zealand side of the bracket. So Spain will face the Netherlands at Wellington Regional Stadium. Japan will face Sweden at the legendary Eden Park. And then the winners will meet at Eden Park in the semi-final. On the other side, it's Australia versus France at Lang Park in Brisbane, which should be a sellout crowd. Uh, Lang Park holds 52,500. I would be shocked if there is an empty seat. Um, England face Colombia in Stadium Australia, and then the winners face off in Stadium Australia. So it's the 11th and 12th for these games. On the 11th, it's the New Zealand side. On the 12th, it's the Australian side. The semi-finals then will be the 15th and 16th. The third and fourth place playoff will be the 19th and the final will be the 20th. So still nearly two weeks to go in the competition and eight games and uh, eight huge games. I think Spain, Netherlands, 
France and England are probably the four teams that you'd look at as potential winners. Now, unfortunately, Spain play Netherlands next, so we won't get those four in the semifinals. But I don't want to write off Japan or Sweden. I don't want to write off Australia. And I don't want to write off Colombia because England really struggled. England really struggled to get past Nigeria. And Colombia, for my money, have looked a better team than Nigeria in this tournament. Now, admittedly, I haven't seen every game. But what I have seen, Colombia have looked a better team. Um, But yeah, I mean, this World Cup, I think, is going brilliantly. I think the fact that it's getting so much attention and such incredible crowd numbers is, is hugely impressive. Because if we go back to some of the group stage games, they weren't getting um, as big an attendance. Now, a lot of the games did. A lot of the games got great attendance, but some of them didn't. Like Ireland, Nigeria, for example, there's only 24,000 in a 50,000-seater stadium. So that's a little bit disappointing, you know? Um, Zambia, Japan was played in Waikato, 25,000-seater stadium. There was only 16,000 there. Uh, Foresight Bar Stadium, which is one of the great Triumph stadiums. If you've ever, if you've never seen it, have a look at it. Uh, the stadium in Otago, it's like 30, 31,000 capacity. There's only like 7,000 there. So some of those games were just a little bit disappointing that there wasn't more of a turnout. But all things considered, like, look, when 8,000 people turn out to watch Costa Rica against Zambia, it's a good achievement, you know. And obviously, this, the, there's, smaller population and smaller amounts of people traveling to New Zealand for this than there has been the travel to Australia. Um, Yeah. Anyway, on to our news and gossip. Let's see. Uh, Lauren James has apologized for her foolish red card. Team prawn sandwiches and a new Man United kit. Uh, Roy Keane unveils new United kit with nod to prawn sandwich rant. One of the great moments in football was Roy Keane launching into a rant about prawn sandwiches. Um, so, yeah, that was good. Uh, oh, wow. Apparently... It is looking more and more likely that Julian Lopetegui will leave Wolves before the season even gets kicked off. Gary O'Neill, clear favourite to succeed him after impressing the Wolves hierarchy. Wow. I mean, Gary O'Neill did a really good job with, with Bournemouth to keep them up. But I'm sorry, you can't appoint him to replace Lopetegui. You've got to go and try and get a bigger name. Uh, I'm not really sure what the what the situation is. I, I, I assume it's to do with the lack of spending. I assume that's the big factor here. Um, he is speaking with Wolves officials today. He has to have known what he was walking into. It's not like this was a surprise. They couldn't spend a whole lot of money, but maybe he's just... Maybe he doesn't fancy a relegation battle. 
He was he was very hesitant to take the job to begin with. Uncertainty is growing about the future of Wolves manager Julian Lopetegui with former Bournemouth boss Gary O'Neill under consideration as a replacement. Uh, Lopetegui is in the training ground Wolves officials today, which could end in his exit. He took over in November, bottom of the league, guidance of safety, but the club's financial situation led to speculation he could leave. Wolves play Manchester United on Monday in their opening fixture. Sporting director Matt Hobbs said Lopetegui was committed to the Molineux side, but fresh, fresh questions about the Spaniards' future are being raised following the publication of Ch- Chairman Jeff Shee's open letter to fans. She wrote that the club's owners, Fosun, have no intention of selling the club. He stressed that Wolves must be cautious with their summer spending in order to meet the FFP rules. Um... Lopetegui has struggled to recruit new signings. If I was them, I'd be very much kicking the tyres on seeing if I could get Graham Potter before West Ham fire Moyes and end up with him. Uh, We'll do the gossip and we'll get done. Brazil Ford Neymar has told Paris Saint-Germain he wants to leave this summer. He is chasing a return to Barcelona. Chelsea are in discussions with PSG about Neymar. Um... He'd be a comical signing for Chelsea. Bayern Munich are considering making a fourth option, a fourth offer for Harry Kane after their latest offer of 86 million was rejected. Tottenham's Kane will call time in the move to Bayern if it can't be agreed this week. I, I, I don't believe that he will. I genuinely, it's Matt Law as well, so I'm not, not taking that as gospel. Bernardo Silva is close to extending his contract with Manchester City but is prepared to wait a few more days for Barcelona to make a move. Uh, Arsenal are closing in on David Rea. Well, the first offer was rejected without much consideration, so I don't know that they're closing in on much. They have personal terms agreed, but they haven't agreed a fee. Liverpool will have to pay the full £50 million asking price if they want Romeo Lavia. <laughs> That's been known for a while. Liverpool are just pricking about. Liverpool have not followed up their initial interest in Andre as they continue negotiations with Southampton over a deal for Lavia. I think they want Andre for January as a replacement for Thiago, who will leave next summer. That's my feel on that. Uh, West Ham have agreed a £32 million deal for Edson Alvarez. Now, that will be a good signing for them, very much pushed by Tim Steeptown. Manchester United have rejected a £30 million offer from West Ham for Scott McTominay. That would not be a good signing. That's very much David Moyes. David Moyes could leave if they start badly or if he becomes a target of supporter dissatisfaction. Harry Maguire could stay with Manchester United for the season because he will only join a club playing in the Champions League. The fella is so deluded about his own ability. The reason he wants to stay at United, though, really, is because no one else will pay him the money that he gets at United. United are hoping to push through the sales of Donny van de Beek and Fred this week. Fred to Galatasaray van de Beek to Real Sociedad, I believe think they'll be losing significant money on both. Arsenal have turned down an offer from Monaco for Fowler and Balogun. Uh, Monaco need a new striker because uh, Breland Bolo tore his ACL. So they need a new striker. Uh, Jorginho could leave Arsenal for Fenerbahce. I, I doubt it. Not at this point. Chelsea are set to make a move for Taylor uh, Tyler Adams and are intent on adding him and Caicedo. Um, 
I think Tyler Adams would be mad to make that move. He's going to go there and be a squad player because he'll get lost in the shuffle, but he's a very good player. He hasn't kicked the ball all preseason because he's still injured. Um, so I, I, I really don't know what to make of much. Um, Chelsea and Juventus are scheduling a new round of talks to discuss a swap deal regarding Romelu Lukaku and cash for Dusan Vlahovic. Tottenham could offer Joe Roden and Jed Spence as part of negotiations for Brennan Johnson. Brennan Johnson isn't what Spurs need, though, so it wouldn't make any sense for them to do that. But from a Forest point of view, if they could get Roden and Spence and Cash, I, I could maybe talk myself into that one, to be honest. Um, Andreas Iniesta is set to sign for UAE Pro League side Emirates Club. I'm disappointed. I really want them to go to into Miami. I really want them to go to Inter Miami. And speaking of Inter Miami, before we finish up, Lionel Messi is having himself a good old time playing in North America. In his debut, he comes off the bench and scores a 94th minute free kick to win the game for Inter over Cruz Azul. Then they play at, uh, at Atlanta United. He scores two and gets an assist. And they win 4-0. Then they play Inter, They play uh, Orlando City, their Florida rivals. And again, he scores two. And they win 3-1. And then, just because, they play FC Dallas. He scores on six minutes. They go one up. They go 1-1. 2-1 down. 3-1 down. Then they get back to 3-2. Then it goes 4-2 to FC Dallas. Then they get one back. It's 4-3. And then in the 85th minute, because why not, Messi scores again. Seven goals and I think three assists in four games. Let me just double check that. I think it's seven goals and three assists in four games. And... Oh, seven goals and one assist. He definitely has more than one assist. Oh, no. He got two hockey assist type things. Seven goals and one assist, though, in 294 minutes. So, you know, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, He is having, having himself a good old time over there. Right, folks, that's all I've got for today. Uh, sorry again about the list, but there's absolutely nothing I can do with it at the moment. I think it is getting better, though. So, you know, fingers crossed it, it kind of just dissipates and goes away. Um, yeah, take care of yourselves. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Network.